Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks here, as always, with Kara Bergam from the Canadian Camping and RV Council. And uh, today we are focusing on associations, the importance of them. A lot of you are members of these already, um, RVIC or CCRVC, some of your state association leaders are here, Emily from Virginia, Lisa from Louisiana, and of course, Josh from DC. Uh, we hope to have Alex on here from Camping in Ontario. Um, maybe our lines got crossed, or she's going to join hopefully in a, in a few minutes, but hopefully we'll hear from her as well. And really excited to just kind of discuss the benefits, things they're doing, what the future holds. I mean, this industry is really exploding. And so uh, I think it's very important to keep those associations front of mind because they do a lot of lobbying and a lot of work and a lot of great things for the industry. So uh, for those of you who are watching on Facebook, if you're on one of the Facebook pages, you can comment. We can bring you on. We'd love to invite you into the discussion here. And then we are also available as a podcast on Spotify, Google, all those kinds of things, Apple, and where you can listen to us later. Or uh, it is available. All our past episodes are now available on mcfiresidechat.com. Uh, I don't even know if you saw that yet, Kara. I don't think I shared that with you, but I did that in a week. So. Awesome. I'll check it out. <laughs> so we want to just let's go around, uh, maybe start. Lisa, you want to go first and just kind of tell us a little bit about not only yourself, but maybe the association and what you're excited about? Sure. I'm Lisa Thibodeau. I'm the executive director for the Louisiana Association of RV Parks and Campgrounds. And I've been their executive director since 2011. Um, it has been quite interesting, just like everybody else throughout the past year. Um, Louisiana never did shut down, which is a plus for us. And um, Camping is positive and great. We just had our association um, conference a couple weeks ago, uh, which turned out really well. We had quite a few new parks that came in from out of state in Mississippi that came to join us. Um, we're planning on some regional meetings so we can get other information throughout other parks throughout the state that don't really know about us, even though we've been around for quite a while. Um, we are affiliated with the National Association of RV Parks and Campgrounds. We rely on them a great deal for most of our advocacy efforts. Um, we do connect one-on-one -on -one with them um, to help us as we need things done throughout the state. We also partner with our Louisiana Travel Association, where we also work on different things in different areas, whether it's festivals or events that's going on on different parks that help us promote things that our members are doing. Very cool. Well, thanks for joining us, Lisa. Who uh -huh. you want to go next, Kara? You pick. Uh, wow. I'm so on the spot. Well, let's hear I didn't hear that. Sorry, is it me? That's you, Joss, yes. Oh, sorry. Hi, I'm Josh Penny. I'm the Executive Director of the British Columbia Lodging and Campgrounds Association. Uh, we were formed in 1944 as Otakor. We've been around a quite a long time. We have about 400 members throughout the province of British Columbia. Um, well, what have we been working on? Well, we've been not shut down like Louisiana during the COVID. We've been pretty lucky. We've been declared in the central service, partly because uh, the first wave uh, of the COVID brought a lot of Canadian snowbirds back, and we had to house those Canadian snowbirds. We did have an impact on recreational travel last year that uh, we weren't able to open to uh, June the 1st. We aligned with uh, BC Parks and uh, Parks Canada and opening on that date, and we had a really strong camping season. Of course, it was just locals only, with the border being closed uh, to the USA. Uh, the only Americans we saw were the ones that were en route to Alaska or from Alaska down uh, back to uh, Maine. 
mainland uh, United States. Uh, no international travel this year. And we were expecting a, a bonanza year, but we've uh, had the numbers spike just recently in British Columbia. So we uh, shut down on local travel only until uh, May the 25th, which is after our Victoria Day long weekend, just before the Memorial uh, weekend. Um, but we're still expecting uh, uh, to have a phenomenal uh, uh, season. Those campgrounds that are open year-round in the south of uh, British Columbia have done really well. But a lot of Canadian snowbirds weren't able to go back across the border. We're the mildest place in, uh, in Canada uh, through the winter. And so we actually picked up a lot of business from uh, uh, Quebec uh, East uh, coming here to, to stay in winter on Vancouver Island and the lower mainland in the, in the South Thompson. Uh, what have we been working on? Well, we're still working on our super camping guide, and we changed the format. We got the mapping thing. That'll be coming out when the shows uh, are coming back. We're currently working with a group of um, other organizations, such as Provincial Parks and Parks Canada on the campus code, uh, which we're hoping to be able to uh, release soon. Because we've had such an influx of brand new campus that we need to be able to tell them what is acceptable behavior. So we're looking at things like respecting others, respect wildlife, pet, pet rules, don't litter, those types of things that are, we're going to overlay and, and try and make it funny and try and influence those people. So that's the biggest initiative that we're currently working on. Um, from the point of view uh, of our members during COVID, we obviously developed protocols uh, for mask wearing, uh, cleaning, two meters, those types of uh, and, and we had a campus code as well for the code of conduct that they uh, had, and they were only allowed to have six people per site. So, in some some of our campgrounds during COVID, haven't opened any of their facilities. So, I guess that's uh, uh, consistent with everything across the country and and down south. Thank you, Josh. David, you want to go for Marvin? Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm uh, David Basler. I'm the Vice President of Membership and Marketing with ARVIC, the National Association um, based in Denver, Colorado. Uh, but we represent more than 3,000 privately owned RV parks, campgrounds, glamping businesses um, across uh, North America. And we have, as Lisa mentioned a second ago, we have... Um, 24 partnering states that we work very closely with. Um, and what we're doing right now and, and what we're planning on in, in 2021 um, is <laughs> the list is the list is very long, actually, but I'll hit some highlights. The, um, well, we've got an hour, David, so you can do some of it now. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll come back later to it. Um, on the legislative side, we're working with uh, 15 states right now on uh, inherent risk legislation, which um, basically protects all outdoor hospitality businesses from fri frivolous lawsuits um, from campers engaging in inherent risks of camping. Um, so, for example, someone gets stung by a bee or trips on a route while hiking on a trail that's well-maintained or burns themselves on a campfire, those kinds of things. Those are all, by the way, things that people have sued campground owners for, believe it or not. Um, so that's a big thing that we're, that we're working on. Um, guest ejection legislation is also something big um, in a handful of states, including uh, we just actually got some legislation along those lines passed in Indiana. Um, bill passed overwhelmingly. Governor signed it in the 
law goes into effect July 1 of this year. Um, so that was, that was a big win and we're working on that in a number of other states as well. Um, we are, uh, you know, we have a, a consumer facing website called gocampingamerica.com that is a great marketing tool for campgrounds and that's getting a, has recently gotten a revamp and is getting more and more features throughout the year, um, including a plan your route tool. Um, we've got a resource database that members use that's incredibly uh, useful for campground owners. Um, we're adding new benefits left and right. Um, we're getting ready to announce some big benefits in the next, um, big discount benefits in the next uh, month with uh, Home Depot and Lowe's. Um, Will it bring see. lumber back down to reasonable prices with your discount? <laughs> It uh, well, you know, I, I can't promise that. But the cool thing about it is, with the Home Depot uh, discount specifically, it's customizable to campgrounds. So it, we're really excited about that piece. It's really going to be focused on what campgrounds uh, purchase the most. So that's that's really gonna, I think, be a, a big help. I'm not sure we can do anything about the lumber shortage right now. Um, and. Uh, See. Well, we're really excited. The other day, we're really excited about meeting in person again in, in November at, at OHCE in Raleigh. We had to do the virtual show last year, and so we're we're looking forward to seeing everybody face to face in Raleigh in, in November. Sure. Definitely. Absolutely. All right, Shane, you want to go? Sure. Thanks, Brian. Uh, great to be on here again. Um, you know, we're. Uh, we were looking forward to May 2-4, which uh, is the Canadian uh, unofficial start to the summer and camping season. Um, you know, everybody uh, usually gets pumped up about May 2-4 ever since, you know, we're kids. And um, uh, But unfortunately, um, you know, every, uh, every province is starting to tighten down, and we're not sure whether we're going to be able to um, – you know, start the camping season on time in some of the uh, some of the Canadian provinces this year. Unfortunately, um, we're monitoring things closely, um, but um, you know, recent events, especially in Ontario, Nova Scotia, and the in um, New Brunswick, uh, uh, things are tightening down a little bit. So, um, you know, campgrounds in that area are are and campers, you know, are getting a little frustrated uh, to say the least. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, as an association, we're torn between doing what's right health-wise and, and the fact that, you know, everybody knows that the camping and outdoor experience is a safe one to do. So, you know, um, do we advocate, you know, for government to, you know, to, to kind of change their policy for campers and then leave everybody else? Or do we just kind of... Um, do what's you know best for the messaging and um you know i think that's a little bit in our in our minds and uh so we're you know i think we're we're just being careful about our messaging i think uh, at this point um we want to see us get through this uh healthy and safely and uh, enjoy um, a good part of the summer versus um you know maybe opening up too early and and having you know our summer uh, adversely affected so um, yeah, we're, um, we're optimistic, uh, that, you know, maybe June 1st, right across the country, we can get back going. 
Um, and uh, I think at this point, you know, we're keeping our fingers <laughs> crossed that that's going to happen. So awesome. Well, thank you, Shane. Uh, I think Emily, last <laughs> but not least, uh, from Virginia. Hi, all. My name is Emily Peck. I'm the executive director of the Virginia Campground Association. Um, I started in 2016. Um, we have just over 70 members now and hoping to add a few more here soon. Um, we are in Virginia. Um, we are kind of middle ground when it comes to COVID restrictions. Um, we, we did get shut down for a little bit last year, um, but we bounced back. The campground industry did anyway, bounced back pretty quickly. Um, and we're still doing great. Um, this is the rest of the industry is. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we still have mass restrictions, social distancing restrictions, um, but we are, the number of groupings, everything like that um, is starting to increase. We have another update coming out May 15th, um, and the governor has mentioned lifting all restrictions June 30th as, all, as well, as long as everything goes well, um, but obviously we'll see when we get there. Um, our annual meeting, um, we did not have one last year for the obvious reasons. Um, our vendors and members decided that a virtual one wasn't what they wanted. So we are waiting until September of this year um, to have our first meeting since 2019. So we're excited about that. Um, it'll be September 27th to the 29th in Spotsylvania. So just south of DC. Um, Let's see. Um, we have our digital directory. So we decided to just go digital this year. Um, we did print rat cards to send people to our website, but our digital directory is doing very well. Um, and we like that we can update it at any time. So advertisers um, can update their ads through each, each issue. So the spring one's out right now. Summer editions coming out in June. Um, members can update. We can add new parts in. Um, the advertisers can change their ads each edition. Um, so that's going over really well. Obviously, we're hoping to print for 22, um, but as for uh, what we had to deal with this year, I think this was a good alternative um, and people like it. So we're happy with that. Um, we do work, uh, we are hopefully with Arvic. We work uh, with the Virginia Restaurant Lodging and Travel Association very closely. Um, Arvic and VRLTA help us with our advocacy efforts. Um, and we also work with um, Virginia Tourism as well. Um, right now, VRLTA is working on a hospitality relief package. So while campgrounds um, are generally speaking doing very well for the hospitality industry, there are some parks that are still um, haven't bounced back as much as the others, as much as the others, um, and can use some uh, relief money as well as uh, us wanting to support our hotels, restaurants, uh, wedding venues, stuff like that. Things that keep people in the area and keep them coming to the campground. So um, we're helping and supporting with that the best that we can. Um, yeah, other than that, Virginia is doing really well. Um, and we're hoping for a great camping season. I think we all are definitely super excited about all that kind of stuff. So, um, all right, so let's, let's try this tactic, right? Let's, uh, I actually, I almost had my buddy Doug Parker on the show this morning because I was, he bought a camper like during COVID and I was going to have him pretend to be somebody who knew nothing about associations and ask you guys why you can join. So he's got terrible internet though in Ohio or Idaho and he can't connect. So uh, I'm going to play that role. So let's, because I think that's important, right? So let's say I'm, especially with this boom in the camping industry, right? Let's say I'm developing a new park. I've just bought the land. 
uh, getting all the permitting and things like that in order. Like I really know nothing about the industry, and, and it's not directed to anybody. Whoever wants to take it can take it. Why am I, with my limited budget so far, right? Uh, I don't have any income yet. I'm not taking reservations. Why is an association on the top or near the top of my list of things to do? Open to anybody. Uh, I'll I'll jump in with that one and and start with education for one. If you know nothing about how to get started, associations either at the state level or at the national level or provincial and and uh, national Canadian level can help educate you on how to get started, how to go through the process from start to finish. Um, and then the other big reason to, to join would be the networking piece because there are really thousands of people who have been there and done it before you have who can help you learn from their mistakes as well. I find the, the first thing that they, they ask as well is, can you help us with marketing? Because they need, they need traffic and you know, they need guests. They need to be preparing for that. So, I mean, I know you you started the question right at the beginning where probably do they need help with performer? Do they need help with zoning? Do they need help with uh, building code? Those are other questions that, that tend to come in. And that's part of the education piece that David was talking about. You know, we've got operators here that are on the board that can act with mentors to, to help people through that and access. So that's how we, we, we handle that. But it's mainly side. Sorry. No, go ahead. I, I was just saying, and definitely by joining the National Association, why pay full price for so many things that you're going out to purchase on your own? Um, taking advantage of those benefits whether it's for picnic tables or linen or whatever. I mean, why pay full price at a big box store when you can get all the discounts and save money in the long run? Well, you and, I tractor and then you save for 20 years. Like, I feel like that pays for 20 years of Arvik, right? Doesn't it? Right. I yeah. think that's part of it's just helping them with those suppliers that maybe they don't know about or don't have previous relationships with. The association typically partners with suppliers that have demonstrated great service and, uh, you know, work with lots of other folks in the industry already. So they, you know, they, they're familiar with campgrounds and what they need and all those things are really valuable. The list is, the list is longer than, than you can imagine. I mean, it, right. we've talked about a handful of them. Advocacy is another one. You know, a lot of times when someone has a plot of land and they're wanting to put a campground on it, they run into difficulty with the local zoning board or another AHJ that's that's um, you know throwing a, a wrench into it. And the state association can help with that. The national association can help with that. Um, the discount that that Lisa mentioned, the discounts are a big reason to join an association. I mean, there's just there's so many reasons, and the benefits totally outweigh the cost of joining that's the that's the thing that we right. say all the time is that you know you spend a few hundred dollars to join the association each year and by doing any one of the things that we've mentioned you repay that that amount sometimes tenfold or more yeah there's you know? tons of value for sure yeah i don't think there's any like we all know that right sitting in this room that there's a list of 200 plus things at every association uh, mm -hmm. that, that you can enjoy and that will pay for your membership and it really will help you be successful as a park. I, I think that there's, 
from a, a perspective of somebody who's coming into the industry is brand new, maybe they don't know those things. And so what I'm really trying to do is get them out here. So they've got a resource to watch and see like, oh, well, Arvik does this and this and this and this and this. And CCRDC does this and this and this. And Virginia does, on top of what National does, Virginia and Louisiana do this. And so that's what I'm really trying to get at is an informational resource of like, wow, there's no reason I'm not. I think a broad uh, spread of needs, right? So the, the best part about these associations is they really address various levels of need. I think certain uh, operators are going to join for certain benefits and others are, will join for, for different reasons. And all those things are impacted by things like location and how long your business has been in operation and, and all of that. So. Yeah. I um, you know I uh, I think you know to 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 get it down right to the ground level sort of thing. Everybody's gone to a house party or a, or a, some other uh, gathering, and if you're standing by yourself and you see this huddle of people in the corner, they're all talking about stuff that hey, did you see what you know what what uh, the grocery store deals are? Or yeah, I got a great deal at Home Depot. It's it's almost like that. You can stand there in the corner by yourself, or you can join the uh, join the gathering and learn what's going on. Nobody wants to stand by themselves. Everybody wants to hear what they're missing, right? What and that's your introvert, Kane. Well, then you, you, you can still join the gathering, Brian, but you don't have to say anything. Oh, okay, all right, gotcha. You can just <laughs> get the knowledge. That's a great right? way to put yeah. it. Yeah, yeah I think that's a great way to put it. And what he's saying is, is that over the years I've been here, a lot of the operators operate in a vacuum they don't even know the operator that's two kilometers down the road five miles down the road or 50 miles down the road and yet in an industry and what we're trying to do is network that's the networking thing but also you have to tell them that it's an investment what is what's, we're going to give you an roi a return on your investment you know you, you eat every year it might be one phone call where we give you one piece of advice that saves you having to go to a lawyer it could be a phone call where you where you get hold of us and and we're able to save you X number of, of dollars on loads, for example, that someone's used here as well. I mean, we've got programs similar to that, but I, I think that's what you have to look. Or it could be you go to the event like uh, uh, Shane is saying, and instead of being that lone person, we pull you in and we make you part of that network group. Uh, right. So I think those are all the. How do you convey those to people that are brand new that are looking at every dollar and saying? Is three hundred dollars a good investment? And that's that's really the key. It's about I liken it to insurance. It's we're we're in the risk business. We're mitigating your risk, and we're giving you some advice. And so you should. But unlike the insurance uh, uh, business, we we don't. <laughs> you can make a claim more often, and we're not going to penalize you. Right. I think I'll put my finger on your hat on for a moment and just say, from my own personal experience, um, I was. Joining in the association really changed my perspective on my industry as a whole. Like Jeff mentioned, I really was guilty of kind of operating in that vacuum. I was so focused on my own kind of microcosm of the, the world that I, I didn't have that bird's eye level view of this industry and how integrated and intertwined uh, all of us came from are, as well as you know, our dealers and manufacturers. We all have this significant reliance on each other, um, and, and it really 
kind of brought me out of that bubble and, and gave me the ability to see that this industry is so um, interrelated. We really, despite, you know, maybe being competitors with the campground that's 15 miles down the road or whatever, we also really rely on each other. And uh, certainly, and maybe this is region specific, but in my case, you know, the more campsites that were open in my area, the more folks were out camping and, and that's what I need and, and all of our businesses needed. And um, it really, that stuff really opened my eyes and changed my whole perspective of, of the industry that I was working on. In. And we haven't even talked about time, right? Like so few people put uh, a value or a dollar amount on their time mm-hmm. that the, the research that's available on, on all of your websites and your phone and people calling in and, and talking to other people and networking like this, how, do, how did I do this? Well, it's already been done, it's already been solved. So instead of you taking weeks and weeks and weeks to do this, you can all of a sudden take 24 hours and you know, here's step one through 10 that you can get it done and, and knock it out. I mean, I know owners who spent, there's one in Texas we work with, a KOA that spent four years trying to get the and I'm not saying that, that could have been sped up by an association it was probably lobbying and politics and all that kind of stuff but just knowing the path that was there before him probably would have helped him with a lot of stress at least so yeah absolutely. we use a we use a, a phrase a lot at Harvick uh, we, we say stronger together a lot and you'll hear us say that all the time and it's it, it speaks to what we're talking about here from the standpoint, whether it's time or whether it's learning how to do something from other members of this, of the association or, or state association, working with a national association, whatever it is, it's a small industry, you know, yep. it, it's important to work together and not against each other. It, we're, we get further quicker when we do. And I think that's a, that's an advantage of someone were to ring me up and you know, whether they're uh, uh, getting into the industry or whether they're a new campground owner or, or a long time campground owner, it doesn't matter. If they were to ask me what's the first thing I should do, nine times out of 10, depending on where they are in the, in the country, I'm going to say, join your state association. The only time I wouldn't is that if they don't have a state association in their state. And then we're going to talk, start talking about how do we get one started. But yeah. If they have a state association, it starts at the local level. And, you know, in most cases, like we mentioned, in most cases, there are partnerships there where if you join the state association, you automatically become a member of the national association and you get the benefits of, of being members of both anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's excellent. It's, I mean, I just feel like sometimes, like we talk to campground owners who are developers, and they don't even know sometimes that these associations even exist. Mm-hmm. And I've pointed them those directions, like, "Hey, make sure you join Arvik, or make sure you join mm-hmm. Louisiana or Virginia or whatever state you're in." Uh, and well, what is that? How do I get a hold of them? And so I CC emails, and I introduce them to executive directors and all that kind of stuff. And they just they don't know it, it exists. And and maybe that's because they come from an industry, whether it's real estate or construction or something that doesn't have a strong associations like our industries, our industry does. But I don't know, is there a strategy that you guys can think of to help reach these new people better or are we doing the best that we can? I think uh, it probably depends on the association, right? I mean, sure. the stuff is manpower reliant and, and things like that, but uh, you know. Broad I, perspective. Yeah, I think in my opinion, one of the top uh, ways to get the word out to campground owners about associations is 
the, the members sharing that information with their peers. Yes. Um, it's incredibly valuable to kind of have them um, testimonial <laughs> their their experiences with being members. Um, and I, you know, I think that's that's important for sure. Um, but then you know, things that we're already seeing state and provincial associations that are that partner with their national uh, counterparts. I think that stuff really helps to get the word out. Um, but uh, as far as ingenuity, I don't know. Maybe things like streaming live shows on Facebook <laughs> are the way, right? I don't know. It's a, it's a, an interesting. We've we've gone heavily into marketing, and we have our website travelbritishcolumbia.com, and we have about five hundred thousand people. And we've also got lots of social media. We have another site campingrbbc.com that we do with a whole group, and then we have social media that flows out of that: uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And what what I find is that the net that captures people's attention that don't know about you. And that's where you get your inquiries from, uh, uh, because they they, they want to be listed. I mean, even the micro size cat brand with one site, you know, the people that are that, from that level up uh, reach out and contact you, and, and they may reach out at various levels. In, but what we found by being involved with GoRVing as well, as well as national CCRVC and Cara, is that the leads just keep coming from all directions. Uh, this is the how most of them are finding us because they're all searching uh, uh, something somewhere and playing in some field. Uh, so that's how we find that we can get hold of most of these people. But we just use it primarily for inventory generation. It takes, in my opinion, at least five to six times to somebody contacts when you're phoning them or emailing them or chatting with them to get them to make that buying decision. It's rare when it's one, one contact. It might be yes. if they come to the, uh, an event, uh, uh, they might do it right away. But it's, it's really a, a, a slug to get them to, to join because uh, they're very cautious about it, about spending their money and, and, and trying to see return on, on investment. We, we offer a 50% off cost for the first year for any member that joins so that they can ramp up and, and see the, the ROI and then they go to full, full benefit. We found that very successful in retention because retention is the other side that we haven't really talked about. It's not yeah. it's, it, it's easier to retain somebody than it is to to yep. to actually uh, get somebody on board. So once you've got them on board, you need to treat them with kid gloves and make them the, the king or queen, whichever way you want to look at. It. That's how we try and treat them, uh, and and then get them uh, to stay. Because our goal is not to have a one one and gone. Our goal is to have them uh, at least for a decade as members. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. I mean, it takes like we, we know that from kind of that. from marketing, right? It takes seven touch points on average to get somebody to purchase something. And I think it's much easier if they're obviously at your conference because then all the things we're talking about, the education and the time saving and the networking, are all happening in one place. And so on display. Yeah, I think there's something valuable about that tangible connection with somebody where you can shake their hand and it's not this, you know, online thing. You can know that this person who's telling me they're going to support me and offer me all of the benefits and things for my business is standing in front of me and, and there's some uh, trust uh, level there, which is, you know, as, an, as a business owner, I you know, completely understand that for sure. Look them in the eye, shake their hands. Yeah, yeah. It's all about building relationships. You know, whether if you're a campground owner and 
you it's all about the experience for the camper and if that experience is positive that camper is going to come back year after year yeah same thing for us with with members when we build those relationships we retain them and they become members for life basically you know lisa and lisa and emily can and joss can can attest to all that i'm i'm guessing right Cool. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I've got a cat. I've got my dog. We're, we're yeah, we're regular zoo here. So. Well, I yeah, I'm surprised it took him this long to show up. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, um, just, I didn't realize until COVID came around how important the in-person was. Um, just attending a few vendor trade shows online and stuff. It's just not the same thing. And actually seeing people. Okay. Um, actually seeing people, shaking their hands, saying hi, putting a face to the name um, is just so important for this. Um, so we're very excited for our meeting this year and we're, we're hoping um, to get a few new members in um, and just like you guys were saying, um, so they can see the benefits, see how important it is, um, make some friends. Um, and a lot of people, I know my parents are at a campground and um, when they first bought it, they joined Arvic, they joined VCA. Uh, this was 16 years ago now. They've been members ever since, um, and they have lifelong friends they've met through the associations. So um, it's, it's really important to, to have support from your fellow campground owners. Yeah, absolutely. So what does, I'm curious, what does the day-to-day look like from the life of an executive director, right? Like we, we know this holistic, what associations present and all that kind of stuff, and then whoever wants to take it. Uh, but what does that look like? Uh, what do you, I mean, we know that you work hard, but what does the day-to-day look like? I think it depends on which state you're in. <laughs> and what day of the week it is. Okay. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> what there's, there's year? times that I work uh, till 2 a.m. And there's other times that um, it's in the summertime because if you're if you also work for a campground or work in the campground industry, um, you're well, at least when you get more um, to the seasonal jobs, you have more time in the winter than you do in the summer. Um, mm-hmm. So in the summertime, you end up working like. 60 hour weeks to get everything covered um but it's it's definitely worth it yeah yeah i mean and you get phone calls not just from campground owners um people that are traveling find your phone number and call you and say hey i'm in texas and i need to get to louisiana where should i get you know so you end up helping them and giving them options on where to go, where to find the information, um, stuff like that. So it's not always a campground owner. Um, it's also guests of the campgrounds. Um, right now in Louisiana, it's legislative time. So we're back and forth with um, the tourism bills, or sanitation code, um, always with um, the increase of the hourly wage. Um, So you're constantly monitoring things. um, And then in the background, you're trying to recruit new members, find where they are, um, planning uh, additional meetings, um, always updating your website, stuff like that. So there's always something you can do. You're you're never not busy, that's for sure. I think (laughs) that's that's always long. Yeah, one of my favorite parts about it is just that the consistent, like, different things. It's not this monotonous routine thing every day. There's always kind of 
something different happening and and a little bit of a challenge and things like that which is so great and then yeah that that you know consistently even virtually meeting new people having meetings with new suppliers and new members and all of those things that stuff is uh really great yeah i think the, a lot of my time is also spent on horizon gazing you know what's coming what's coming a year or two years and, and five years in the decade what what is the health i mean where are the trends and how can we go from that so i spent a lot of time reading a lot of research because that's what people are looking to us for as leadership i mean i heard david talking about i think it was inherent liability and uh, guess uh, uh, ejection legislation so obviously that's to do with behavior and some of it's uh, uh, so those are the sorts of things that they're addressing but what's after that I mean, and, and, and how do we how do we make sure that we maintain it as a sustainable, healthy industry that we can repeat that guest experience time and time again, and we can play our part in, uh, in reducing uh, climate? How, how do we do that? We're, those are the things that we're talking. How do we help disabled people? How to, as a as the so those are things that I'm sort of involved in and I work both with the tourism industry association of British Columbia here and with the government here and also with national to, to deal with that. But then there's the other side of it, which is the, the, the phone calls. The nice ones Lisa's talking about, you know, where you get a consumer, you know, yeah. uh, and, you, and you get to actually help them. So, and you have to, uh, I, I mean, I think a lot of my days, uh, uh, I plan for my day, and then a lot of it is interrupted. But those interruptions are important. Those are the important interactions. When I was actually planning, was just what I was actually just planning. Right, you definitely make that list with a pencil. Not yes. me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and one of the most, my most enjoyable things is actually going to shows because I actually get to see consumers. Mm -hmm. so run and operate a campground. I'm actually employed by the campground. So, so I'm a little bit different from that perspective. But when you go to the shows, you actually get to press skin with people who are real people who are asking you questions about where to stay. And that's really great to go to those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> Sorry, and I was I was going to actually ask Shane and David like we were, we talked about from state and provincial side right what how does how does the strategy of a national organization then get shaped how do you decide what you're working on both from a association standpoint well the whole thing's an association standpoint but from a I want to guide and lead my states who are members too into the future how does that direction get shaped in the national level. Um, I'll, I'll go first, David. You know, I, I think it's a lot of communication with your members and hearing what they're saying. Um, but also what I was going to say before, it's it's the, the industry partners and stakeholders, whether it's um, Gorvin uh, or it's RVDA of Canada or it's uh, the Canadian RV Association um, or it's Tourism Industry Association of Canada or any of the provincial, uh, you know, stakeholders. Everybody... You know, those are the calls that, you know, are good to stay in touch, hear what's going on there. And then when you, you know, you're communicating with the members and um, and any other uh, stakeholders, you can give them pretty up-to-date information on what's going on. So it's always good, you know, uh, to stay in touch with, um, you know, everybody else that's involved in the industry, not, not to mention media, too. You know, we're getting... Tons of calls for media. You know, I just just did a call on uh, on Friday. He wanted to know, you know, about the RV industry and everything. Um, you know, had one last week. So, uh, you know, lot, lots of things going on from outside parties as well. And those are really important to stay uh, 
stay um, you know current with. <clears throat> Lots of years. I'll, in the I'll echo what Shane just said by again repeating stronger together. You know that go RVing. RVIA, RVDA, RVIC, CCRVC, the state associations, provincial associations, when we all communicate and work well together, um, we, we benefit the whole industry, all of our members, and people who aren't members, who then hopefully see that and say they want to become members. Um, but strategy for looking into the future, Brian, I think uh, also has to do with all of those entities working together, too, because we all have ways of um listening to our to our members um finding out what trends are from campers from the from the consumer consumer side um every one of the the entities that i just mentioned along with corporates like koa and lsi and uh, put out various trends reports that can be used to to look at you know five ten years down the road what what do campgrounds need to do to become successful and to be successful a decade from now i think that on a day-to-day -day basis i mean i think everyone on this call would agree that on a day-to-day -day basis we get up with one thing in mind which is how do we help our members be more successful and that's that's what um to me, anyway, that's what the, the strategy of the day is, is figuring out what the what the answer to that question is, whether it's how do, how do we get them to be more successful tomorrow or a year from now or five years from now. So, so talking about the future, what do you guys see? Like, let's, what's coming in five or ten years? Obviously, we, had, we just went through COVID and nobody knew that was coming. So short of, let's say that there's nothing unexpected like crazy like that that comes up uh the industry is clearly being pushed forward into maybe you know we saw in woodalls they were doing a article about electric vehicles and is your campground ready for that that was shared around quite a bit that i saw uh and i don't think a lot of parks are um but there's a lot of innovation coming into the industry i think next week is it next week care we're doing our next week we're doing management and then week after that we're going to talk to northgate about camp info and yeah. the things they're doing down there in texas um, so there's a lot of innovation coming in, a lot of modernization of campgrounds, you know, there's more glamping, uh, all kinds of things. So, so in your guys' mind, as leaders of these associations, what does that look like in five, 10 years, and how do you help people get there? Uh, campers are getting bigger for, to start with. Um, I know uh, the, the, small, the tent campers are coming out and people are starting to tent camp again. Um, but the people who are already in the camping industry i've noticed are upgrading their campers um okay. i know that even my parents are leaving tomorrow to upgrade their 40 footer to a 45 footer um the campers that are coming into our place are huge uh it seems to be a big disparity like you have the the, the 40 footers and then you have a lot of the little camper vans but um, we have to be able as an industry to support those giant campers mm -hmm. Um, the sites are wide enough for the triple slides, the um, the bump outs on the back, the toy haulers that turn into decks in every direction. Um, and while we knew it was coming, they're becoming more popular. Um, so I, I, I think um, just keeping that in mind when you think, oh, should I re-landscape this? Should I think about making these back-ins into pull-throughs? Or how do I make the, my roads easier for these campers to get through? 
um because the the little ones aren't the issue it's it's when you do upgrade to that 40 footer that 45 footer it limits where you can go so if your campground is set up to hold every camper that's out there on the market you'll get as many guests as are possibly available right that's variety kind of is another too. yeah go ahead lisa I, I was just saying some of the older parks um will definitely have to start upgrading maybe combining two of their spots to become one um i mean it's always been a challenge with internet especially with majority of children um, in school um, having to do online classes and people working online so but between this renovation of the spaces uh the upgrades of the electrical the upgrades of all the wi-fi um there's, there's lots of updates that some of our older parks definitely need to do to be able to stay competitive with all the new parks that are coming. Variety is, is something else that I think campgrounds need to look at for growth in the future as well. Because, you know, three quarters of camping households in the United States aren't RVing. They're showing up in their car and they're looking for a park model or a yurt or a safari tent or something like that. Um, and that's, I think we're going to see an explosion of that as well on the more the glamping side of, of things. I think you're right on there, David. I mean, and that offers a great opportunity of revenue for campground operators because they can take their, their least profitable sites, which are usually mm -hmm. sites and the small ones, and they can, they can put on a glamping unit on there. And, and then suddenly they're instead of they're making 200 bucks a night instead of instead of occasionally making 20 bucks to 30 bucks to 50 bucks depending where they are so i think and our guys are really because we're land we're land poor up here there's tons of land but we're mountainous so uh, uh, really they're land poor exactly as, as lisa was talking would you want to collapse two sites into one and, and, and halve your revenue no, you'd probably be better off putting a glamping unit on some of those and, and increasing your revenue yield. So I think we're going to see more of that, uh, way more of that, and exactly as you said. And it's it's because of the urban. I mean, I live in Vancouver. Uh, people are in high rises. They don't have the space to store any. So I'm, I think the other big boom we're going to see is the peer-to-peer. -peer. We're going to yeah. see people in rural areas that are going to be renting their trailers and getting yield from those trailers, which is where the sales are going to come and then all the servicing that's going to be required for those. We're going to see RV dealers probably change uh, from being just being sales and, and maintenance to being storage and peer-to-peer -peer hubs that actually you know, house them and, and service them and putting them out. I think we're still going to have I mean, I think Camping World is an example of that when they do their new, uh, announce their new uh, uh, rental fleet. I mean, they're probably going to be, going to be fairly close to that peer-to-peer -peer model, you know, that I'm talking about. So that's where I think we're going to see major change, which then means that for, for someone who's in a city, they can fly to Georgia, they can fly to uh, to LA, and they can pick up and they can, or they can go drive directly to where they want to go. So now we're, we're starting to see a, a new clientele that, that used to be hotel based, and because of pandemic, it's going to be uh, and fears of safety and whatever, it's going to be driven to an outdoors based uh, approach, but but low level uh, accommodation instead of vertical accommodation with hotels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I think um, to we're seeing interesting things around things like dynamic pricing and using software and technology to really impact 
you know, things like the bottom line and how campers are, um, how much campers are willing to pay to stay. I mean, I'm seeing lots of parks talk about folks doing long-term stays at daily rates and things like that. It's um, things that, you know, I mean, it's been a few years since I owned a campground, but I would never have thought of that happening in my park. Um, so, you know, I think that stuff is only going to continue to impact uh, the industry in the next several years. Yeah. I definitely think we're going to move much more towards uh, online booking, less yep. to the personal touch. And, and campground, that's the biggest thing that uh, traditional campground operators have got. I mean, you don't necessarily know who's coming into your park. You can't control it as much. And that's, I guess, why you're looking at some of those legislative changes so you can actually deal with some of those behaviors. That's why we're putting in our campus code to try and uh, get some acceptable behavior across. But that's, I see that as a big issue. I mean, it's tough. I mean, to, to not know who's coming other than that size of their rig and who they are and they're not a good guest and you don't know their demeanor and do they know your rules. And, I think we're going to see a, a big push towards uh, probably having uh, pre-signed waivers as well, more, uh, especially here in Canada. I don't know if we'll see it in, in the United States, but uh, I certainly think that you know we're going to have to let people know they're taking the risk as much as well as us, and we're not taking all that risk. So I, I think we're going to see those changes. I can't tell you where Wi-Fi is going, other than and it's going to be faster, <laughs> and, and you're going to have more people working there. And, and maybe even more devices, who knows? Yeah. You might have Starlink here in a couple of years, so it's already coming out. What 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 are campgrounds gonna look like in five, ten years when ten or twenty-five percent of the vehicles are electric? What are they gonna look like in five or ten years when they're self-driving too? And electric. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic. I do believe campgrounds are well positioned for that transition, considering how much electrical infrastructure and those kinds of things they already uh, have on property typically but um it, it, yeah it's going to be interesting to see what those changes do to to this industry for sure i think it's a, uh, probably good things but it's a new it's a new model for sure i mean the, the, yeah. an electric rv pulls into your unit there into your uh, space they are going to be pulling a heck of a lot more electricity than they would be yes. normally who's going to pay for that is it going to you know the camper is going to see a, a higher rate i would assume from yes. campground owner oh, oh, yeah. yeah they're saving on gas but they're going to pay on hydro you know mm -hmm. and that's really what it amounts to i mean at some point in time if governments get remove their dependency on oil as as a way of leveraging a lot of funds they're going to have to leverage those funds somewhere else so where are they going to leverage them and is that through electrical prices is that through other points i mean so i think that we've got those uh, debates coming <laughs> not they're not ready right now but they're coming i mean as to uh, the rvs i think we're going to move much more to a static model where similar to what they have in europe whereby people just drive up and they're already the park models are there i think that's exactly where we're probably going to go in the short term yeah i mean i think i think there's no question that associations are hands down the most valuable resource you can probably do in the beginning when you're starting a campground developing or even if you own the campground and you're coming into it taking it over whatever right i think there's no question about that so so we've talked about the proactive and we only got a couple minutes left here but we talked about the proactive right there's an owner that reaches out to louisiana or virginia or 
BC or to Arlick or CCRBC or whoever it is, right? And they're saying, I need help with this. How can I do this? Or how can I get permits? Or how can I do whatever? Is there a strategy in place from an association to push that information out? Because let's let's be honest, there are a few campground owners, small business owners in general, right? We're talking about campgrounds. There are a few campgrounds who are resistant to change. And so how do I, knowing that this is the future, how do I convince my campground owners to merge those two sites together to make one big site to, to make more money? How do I convince them to change a tent site to a glamping site? How do I do that without with, with a mindset of this has always worked and my business isn't suffering? I don't think you do, Brian. Okay. I think it's important to remember that our members own and operate their own businesses and get to make those choices for themselves. And okay. the, the strong will succeed and do it well and and reap the benefits of that and, and, and those that prefer to maybe keep things the same. I think that's maybe my perspective is, is skewed because I used to be a campground operator, but I think it's very, very important that it isn't about convincing anybody to change their business model or strategizing to, to alter the way they work every day. I think it needs to be about giving them the information keeping them informed, talking about things like where's where are things going, when did when are the electric RVs coming, um, all of those things, sharing that information with them so that they can make the best choice both for their business uh, and, and for themselves, but also for their guests. Um, and, and, you know, I think for the industry as a whole, all those things impact the industry and, and where it can go. And, not all operators are going to be in a maybe in a location or um, have the type of campground that's going to work for all of the maybe best case scenarios. Their businesses are incredibly unique. We were talking. I was talking about this with. We're working on a potential insurance partnership. I was talking about this with the insurance provider that we're working with. Uh, normally, an insurance company can write a group group program for a type of businesses, and it applies to everybody. But in the case of campgrounds, that that doesn't fit. They're all incredibly unique. They have tons of different facets that that impact their daily operations and what they can and can't do. And I think outside of giving them the information and communicating and, and networking and sharing everything possible with them, you can't convince them to alter their business model. That's their choice to make. Okay. Kara, if I could do it without uh, disrupting my camera, I would give you a standing ovation right now. I, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. I mean, it's we have that's that's the role of the association, right? We have to give them the tools, and they make their decision. Yes. Whether regardless of what level we're we're at, it's their business, and yeah. we just have to give them the tools that and the news and the the advocacy support and everything else that they can pick and choose what they what they want to use and just like in any industry you're you're always going to have early adopters who are going to go out and yeah. put a bunch of electric charging stations at their camper at, at their campground for instance but then you're going to have the the campground who still takes online reservation or still takes reservations with a with a pad and paper yeah you know it, and frankly it works the, for consumer, them. the consumer will speak the yeah. the campground the campground will uh, owner will make the choices that translate to business success for them um, and, and and so it, in my opinion it's not the association's position to uh, 
convince campground owners to work in a certain way, the consumer will do that work with their dollars. They will choose which campgrounds they want to support and go to based on amenities and uh, all the all kinds of variables that individual consumers prefer. You know, I've said this before. There are campgrounds out there who take reservations with pencil and paper, and there are campers who support that and are happy to do so. And, mm -hmm. and so that works for them. Um, maybe that won't always be the case, and that campground may be forced by the transition of campers uh, spending their money elsewhere to make those choices for themselves. And then they can come to the association and we'll give them all the tools to take a great software program. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I've been around a long time, so I know that change is constant. I mean, even those that put themselves in a time capsule, eventually they sell or, or their kids take over and, mm -hmm. and, and, and there's a different direction. And that's when they come to the association wanting some help. You know, so I, I, th I think that's the important thing. We're gonna have time capsules and we're gonna have people, a lot of people are in it for lifestyle. Yeah. we're in it to make money i think the biggest change we've seen is is the corporates coming into canada you know parkbridge and uh pathfinder we don't have as many as they in the states but i, I think that's stabilized and we're not losing as many campgrounds so i think that's a big trend that 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 we we need to keep an eye on so i'm not sure how they're going to view memberships in associations like ours in the long run especially when they get 50, 60, 70 uh, uh, campgrounds across the country. Do they need to belong? And, and those are the ones that that, that are driving and uh, some of the trends and at the top level, but they're also uh, driving some of the legislative changes and some of the behavior changes that we're seeing as well. So it'll be interesting to see. And, and when you're a mar and pa, do you actually relate to somebody who, who operates that many? I mean, that's we've got the whole spectrum right, right up from the hobbyist to, to, to the corporates. All right, well, we got a couple minutes left here. Let's just do a, a little round robin around the room. What are you most excited about for 2021, 2022? Open-ended, whatever you want to talk about. What are you most excited about? Uh, getting rid of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing people face-to-face. -face. There yes. you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Reconnecting with members in person. Uh, you know, sitting down with those boards and getting the important work done that's tough to do on a, on a Zoom call, for sure. And, and seeing the Maple Leafs uh, win the Stanley Cup. Wait. That's a top did you say the, Shane, did you say the avalanche? Is that what you said? <laughs> Bad connection, David. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anything last minute? Anybody else would like to add before we wrap this up? I would just like to say um, thank you, Brian, and everybody else on the call um, for participating today. Um, and if there's anyone in Louisiana that needs some information, you can definitely go to my website, which is campinglouisiana.com, and all my contact info is there. And I look forward to hearing from you. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's important to just mention, you know, if anybody wants to reach out, uh, they can touch with. Brian or myself, and we can connect you with whoever the pertinent individuals in your area are. Um, it's incredibly valuable, I think, to um, even just start the dialogue if you haven't already with your association. Right. Yeah, thanks, Brian and, and Kara, for doing this. I, I would also like to thank Lisa and Emily, our two of our partnering state execs who work their tails off. You two are the ones on this call, but there are 24 others who aren't on this call who work their tails off as well. So 
again, stronger together. Thanks, guys. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. See you in November. Well said. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Stay, Stay well. Good. Thank Bye -bye. you. See you soon. Bye. Bye.